Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show all about workers' rights and social justice. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast to you around the country on Community Radio Network. I'm Dennis Rogachuk. Just a quick recap of the events of last week on the workers' front. First up, after several days of investigation, the Royal Commissioner Dyson Hayden has concluded that he is in fact completely impartial and politically neutral in his position and will remain there for the foreseeable future. In fact, he paid himself an average workers' yearly wage to recognize that attending Liberal Party fundraisers and being the leading figure in the political witch hunt against the Australian trade union movement is totally fine. The Hutchinson's dispute involving members of the Maritime Union of Australia and the management of Hutchinson's ports in Sydney and Brisbane has seen several developments. The company management and the workers' representatives are currently engaged in negotiation at the Fair Work Commission. And while the uh, workers have been temporarily reinstated, the community assemblies have been actively maintained in their support. So several local community, union and activist groups have been able to maintain assemblies in the Fisherman's Wharf in Brisbane and Port Borney in Sydney in support of the striking workers. So if anyone lives around the area, come over and give our comrades a pat on the back. Next up, the Australian retail giant 7-Eleven has been found to be severely underpaying its employees, often to the tune of just $10 an hour and well below the minimum wage. A joint investigation by Fairfax Media and Four Corners has revealed that over 69% of stores investigated currently have payroll issues. I'm sensing a retail workers' campaign brewing soon. And finally... A bit of good news for a change. Our earlier guest, Kalani Pyra, has won a substantial payout from Grilled as a result of her being sacked from her position at the restaurant in Camberwell. Kalani's story went viral after she took legal action against the store's management and really helped to show what can be done when a worker bravely stands up against management, even in the hostile environment of the fast food and hospitality industry. For the rest of our show today, we will focus on the tentative issue of free trade agreements and what they would mean for the lives of the working Australians and our, and our economy. Last Friday, August 29th, the union members gathered in front of the Victorian Parliament in Melbourne to demand that the Abbott government scrap the plans for the China free trade agreement and halt the sell-off of our economic sovereignty. Among the speakers were Labour Party backbencher Calvin Thompson, the... Um, ETU State Secretary Troy Gray, the Secretary of the, of the Textiles and Footwear Union Michelle O'Neill, and the National Secretary of the CFMU Michael O'Connor. Before we play the audio from the rally, I'd like to acknowledge the work that Annie McLaughlin put in for recording and passing it on to me. Hi, I'm from 3CR. Can you tell me why you've come here today? I mean, it's unusual for you to be here, Mr Thompson. I'm, I'm the uh, Deputy Chair of the Joint Standing Committee on Treaties and the Joint Standing Committee on Treaties is conducting hearings today into the China Free Trade Agreement uh, and I uh, have supported uh, unions and community groups in expressing concerns about the China Free Trade Agreement uh, when we have 800,000 people who are unemployed and many more who are underemployed. The pros 
prospect of people losing jobs to uh, temporary migrant workers and the prospect of Australia losing control of its sovereignty through the investor-state dispute settlement provisions are things that are particularly of concern to me. Can you make any comment about the federal government, present federal government's overuse or, of the visa system to regulate the uh, job market in Australia? Well, well, I think it's foolish on our part to have, on the one hand, 800,000 people who are unemployed and yet a million people who are in Australia on temporary entry visas which give them work rights. So uh, I am concerned that employers... Uh, bring in people on on temporary entry permits in order to drive down wages and conditions and effectively get uh, cheaper labour uh, rather than giving opportunities and skills to young Australians and underemployed Australians. Like I said, every time we bring roll up at these rallies around the country, every single day the next day in the media you see Tony Abbott, Andrew Robb coming out and criticising us. What are they criticising us for? They criticise us for being racist, they criticise us for being xenophobic, they criticise us for being anti-trade. We're none of those things. But we're dead set against a dodgy free trade agreement that attacks our job safety, our job security and our sovereignty. We've got four real issues for this free trade agreement. And they are the ISDS, where this government, this federal government has signed a free trade agreement that allows overseas corporations in China and the, Australia, the Chinese government to sue us if we pass legislation which has an impact on their profitability. An example of that is Philip Morris, the plain packaging for cigarettes. At the moment, the Australian taxpayers have spent $60 million defending that case. It's an absolute shame. Tony Abbott and Andrew Roth need to understand what they've signed us up to. The OFA, Investment Facilitation Arrangements, People probably think that it's a $150 million job and then the Chinese can bring their own workers in. Well, it's much worse than that. Much, much worse than that. 15% investment from Chinese corporations or government allow them to bring in their own workers without labour market testing. And it's not just in construction. It's in these other areas. Food, agribusiness, resources, energy, transport, telecommunications, power supply and generation, tourism and environment. So you can't tell me this is just about infrastructure projects. This is much, much more than that, and they need to be ashamed for what they're doing and signing us up to it. Tony Abbott says this is a China free trade agreement. Well, let me tell you, there's freedom for companies in this agreement. There's freedom for companies to make obscene profits in this agreement. There's freedom for companies to exploit workers in this agreement. There's freedom for companies to not offer jobs to locals in this agreement, but there's no freedom for workers and the Australian community in this agreement. We want an agreement that's fair. We want to be able to have workers treated fairly, a chance to get a job when you're unemployed. We want workers to be treated fairly if they come to this country. Our union proudly supports migration and workers that have come here as migrants and asylum seekers. But we want those workers to have rights and to make sure that they are treated fairly as well. Just imagine for a minute if your boss not only controlled where you lived, not only controlled what pay you got and your conditions, but if your boss actually controlled whether you got to stay in the country or not. How many workers would be able to have a union and be represented 
at the threat of deportation. So Tony Abbott might say a lot of lies about our position about this, but we're fighting for Australian jobs, for the rights and conditions of workers in this country, but our unions, every union here, are also proud global unionists. And we have a great and proud history. So the free trade agreement, we're going to organise a campaign that this country's never seen before. The whole trade union movement's united. We're leading the community. And Tony Abbott can say what he likes. He can reel out every ex-politician the Labor Party can produce. It won't matter. He can reel out the big in the town. It won't matter. He can reel out the billionaires, the Rio Tintos, the BHPs. It won't matter. Because we know in our heart what it's right. This agreement's a dud deal for you. It's a dud deal for me. It's a dud deal for our community. And we're going to fight it. Yeah. Not only are we going to fight it, we're going to beat it. And why are we going to beat it? Because we've got the interests of Australia at heart. We've got the interests of the community at heart. We're representing the community in this fight. For 20 years, we've had agreement after agreement hoisted upon us in some like dirty deal done by the elites in Canberra. For 20 years, we've seen dud deal after dud deal. Jobs sold off, jobs sold off. Manufacturing industry gutted. And we've had enough of it. We've had enough of it, and we're not going to put up with it. Tony ever says this agreement's about jobs. Do you know why he knows about jobs? Because he destroys thousands of them. He destroyed the vehicle industry. He's trying to destroy the shipbuilding industry. Do you think he cares about jobs? No. There's only one job that bloke cares about. He's his own. So listen to me, Tony Everett, and listen to all our members and the trade union movement. Your job security is tied to our job security. We go, you go. There's no way known that you're going to be allowed to sell this country down the river. No way known. So you can abuse us as much as you like, but we've got the fight in us. Tune in to Stick Together, all about workers' rights and social justice. 8.30am Wednesday, 6.30am Thursday, 7am Saturday. Or listen on demand on 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio Network. We've just heard the angry voices of our union leaders as they gave the China Free Trade Agreement a roasting at the last rally in Melbourne. Of course, that is not the only agreement that our governments have been negotiating in recent years. The Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement, or the TPP, has been on the negotiating table for years, with each new detailed revelation scarier and more startling than the last. The documents provided to us by Julian Assange and WikiLeaks have revealed that key parts of negotiations, particularly with regards to healthcare and workers' rights, will come under severe threat if we ever end up signing it. Joining us now is Sam Castro, the co-founder of Whistleblowers Activist Citizens Alliance, who currently works with Friends of the Earth. Uh, Sam, well, welcome to uh, Stick Together. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, now, Sam, you've been involved with the um, campaign against TPP since uh, 2011, and uh, apparently you're also one of the only people in Australia who has been uh, charged and arrested with protesting against the TPP. Mm, so, yes. 
<laughs> so, um, uh, could you tell us ju just just brief briefly some of the general, uh, some of the uh, main general points ab um, about the DPP, which are um, which 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 you think we should be paying the most attention to at the moment? Sure. So, um, I think it's important to understand the TPP while it's kind of sold to the public uh, with no transparency as a free trade agreement. This is not your usual free trade agreement. It is, in fact, the largest agreement in history. It takes in more than uh, tariffs and trade. It is really about uh, financial and corporate deregulation and control. It includes 12 countries at this point, but it's what's known as a launchpad agreement. So the expectation is that other countries will join either the TPP, which currently has 12 countries, or they will join the TTIP, which is the European version of the TPP. Uh, so the TPP uh, is roughly about 40% of the global economy and it will affect over 800 million people living in the partnering nations of this agreement. And yet it has been negotiated in secret uh, the entire time and not even our elected representatives are able to see it and then talk about it. Uh, so this is really a very secret negotiation that has 600 corporate insiders from the likes of Monsanto, Halliburton, GE, uh, a whole heap of big mining and big pharmaceutical and war-making machinery and media-making machinery, Hollywood News Corp, involved in the drafting of the text all behind closed doors and without consultation, reflection or independent review, either economically, legally or socially or politically, uh, by the community and other mm. stakeholders, including our elected representatives. Mm. So, you know, this is often called NAFTA on steroids. It will be bigger than the World Trade Organization in its capacity to rewrite domestic laws and legislation mm. and policy mm. uh, because of components such as the ISDS or yeah. the investor-state dispute and that, settlement process. And that, that particular dispute is actually it's the main means by which our environments and our healthcare mm. and uh, entire industries would come under direct threat from these foreign corporations. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I know a lot of people that have campaigned around this kind of corporatism have always been deeply concerned about the ISDS components. Uh, of course, it's coming up currently with Chapter, uh, the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement. Uh, but what's really important to understand about this ISDS component is the size and magnitude uh, that it offers foreign corporations to sue us. Uh, a really good example is, of course, Philip Morris, who is currently suing the government over plain packaging. Now, what's really interesting about that is that Philip Morris couldn't access ISDS from their uh, located headquarters, so they moved their headquarters mm -hmm. to Hong Kong so mm -hmm. that they could access ISDS components. Yes. Um, so this is really a way of corporations being able to manipulate and hold a, a large undue sway over uh, legislative process, policy process, and ultimately um, being able to say to go governments, if you create legislation we don't like, we will sue you and mm -hmm. uh, you will pay us. So, you know, behind the, the basis of this ISDS component is the premise that corporations are more valuable than community individuals, clean land, air, water and medicine access. Mm. Uh, now, while people in Australia might kind of, you know, in their comfortable 
first world country be okay with that, a lot of the partnering nations that are coming into these agreements uh, do not have the capacity to just continue on as usual. Um, so you're effectively creating uh, not only problems within first world countries, but in countries that are coming up and developing that are involved in the TPP. And a great example is a country like Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about corporations being able to access secret tribunals to lock entire countries into wage standards or or not wage standards and occupational health and safety. Um, So I'm sure big corporations that are helping negotiate these agreements like Nike uh, must be doing projections around how long they can keep Vietnamese workers on low wages. Uh, you know, this is slave labour uh, that is going to be introduced into these countries. And I, I believe that that has been one of the concerns, despite the rhetoric of racism coming out of the government, that the unions have been trying to put forward around chapter as well. Uh, so I, ISDS is absolutely uh, not in the benefit for the community or for domestic law, and it enables corporations to override the nation-state. And we should be deeply, deeply concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Well, we certainly should be, but um, it seems that um, uh, we haven't really seen the same kind of uh, the anti-globalization movement uh, of the likes of uh, S11, you know, being formed around the, the, the TPP these days. What do you, th- what do you think the, the reason for that might be? Well, I, I think there are a sort of several uh, factors at play in terms of, um, you know, there's the actual issue itself, which has been kept very secret and below the radar. Um, it took a long time for the media to get their heads around it and to work out how to actually report on it. So there are some issues around the complexity of it. Uh, the obfuscation of it being a corporate takeover uh, presented as free trade. So, you know, people hear the word free and trade and they think, oh, good, it must be good, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think there are some psychological differences in terms of where we were in the 90s and uh, early 2000 as to where we are now in terms of how we perceive threats to our democratic process. Uh, and I, I have to say that the anti-globalisation movement and corporate movement of the 90s was very strong and and global and uh, the global response to that by Western liberal democracies was to uh, physically harm, attack, use violence and force against anyone that dared to protest. So S11 is a great example of how the state uh, monopolises violence to smash political movements. And I think that a lot of people got hurt over those three days because of the state violence that was employed against us. And it also happened in Toronto and Seattle uh, in a similar way to Occupy. Uh, Western liberal democracies were determined to smash any concept of community building around issues that did not support neoliberal agendas and corporatization of globalization. Uh, so, and then of course we had 9-11, which has led us into this terrible, you know, over a decade long politic of fear and neo, uh, cold war mentality, uh, instead of the communists, this time it's, you know, an, an attack on a, a, a noun, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, yes. so I think there are lots of factors that have played into the process of why people haven't, uh, mobilized in Australia. And a key thing is, you know, we have to remember we, despite the the sort of uh, embedded fascism that is going on in this country, we still have relative uh, freedom and comfortability of existence. And I think that changes people's mentality in how they respond to such complex issues.
And I think the government has worked very, very hard. And when I say government, I do mean government because mm-hmm. not just the Liberal Party, the ALP got us into this deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both sides of politics have worked very, very hard to uh, absolutely bury any information and to, uh, you know, Andrew Robb has been on television and media repeatedly in the last 12 months and just absolutely lied uh, about what's going on here. Um, the fact that he can go on national television and say he hasn't heard complaints from the community when a forum was held in his own electorate that he was invited to and he didn't show up to. Uh, so we have a lot of misinformation being generated because the people in power are protecting their corporate allies. Absolutely. And, and, and this is an, a fundamental issue of what globalization, you know, the globalization movement was talking about. It's not about not being in a uh, global community. It's about understanding that the mechanisms of globalization have enabled global war uh, on all levels, neoliberalism, economic warfare, social warfare. And we really do have a situation where we are being completely disempowered from the democratic process. Can you think of any particular good examples um, around the world where free trade, free trade agreements or mega agreements uh, like that have either been stopped or at least parts of it being uh, sort of uh, stopped? Well, unfortunately, they're, they're few and far between. Um, and that's because we've been indoctrinated to believe that infinite expansion and greed is good and therefore if corporations are doing well, we're all doing well and we all know that the reality of the statistical information is that's not true. Um, one good example is uh, the SOPA actor component Uh, around internet filtering, uh, censorship and uh, stamping out a peer-to-peer communication and sharing, all of those kind of things that were coming with those American acts, which, of course, we know Australia and all the other Western liberal democracies, you know, pretty quickly follow suit with. Um, that was pushed back by a very strong global online campaign uh, spearheaded uh, by Aaron Schwartz out of America. And we did globally push back and stop that. But unfortunately, they've simply rewritten those rules around copyright and intellectual property and ownership uh, into uh, agreements like the TPP and the TTIP. Uh, so they, ca- they come back again always in another form. Uh, and, and this is the vigilance that is required in terms of our understanding of the interconnectedness of the issues. Um, but no, I, I can't... Uh, I know you gave me an example earlier. Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. Well, in, well in, the, in the Americas, the... Um Well, basically, just about about a decade decade ago, the um, the United States basically wanted to impose their own version of the TPP on Latin America. I think it was it was called mm-hmm. the the Free Trade Agreement of the Americas, but it was stopped short by the combination of the governments of Venezuela, Brazil, and Argentina that ended up uh, putting a well, basically putting a stop in it, and also actually putting up an alternative to the free trade. There were two organizations that ended up being formed. One was the Bolivarian Alliance of the Americas, and that that. So that's that's comprised of countries like uh, Cuba, Venezuela, Bolivia, uh, Ecuador, Nicaragua, and a lot of a lot of the trade that goes on between them is very much based on um, improving human developments between mm. between those countries. So improving healthcare, improving education, improving uh, infrastructure, and never putting profit above people's lives. And then there's also the the Mercosur ad- agreement, which is still a commercial agreement, but it's it is still um, very much um, focused on um, on actual economic development within the, within the Americas themselves and it's ba- based 
keep on growing local economies rather than benefiting international corporations. What do you think that uh, your your vision of the people, or sorry, the people's trade would look like? What's what's our alternative to the uh, T- TPP? So you know, for me, I, I think, and maybe this is you know blue sky, uh, but I really think that there is some amazing stuff that is going on, uh, for example, in Mexico with the Zapatista movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think there is uh, amazing stuff that's even happening locally, e.g. with the earthworkers here in Victoria, Absolutely. Uh, who are moving to non-profit cooperative models. And how those cooperative models are, are set up is up to the workers and the people involved, whether it's ownership or share or, or how it works. But I think one thing that we really need to consider uh, is the fact that You know, we have a massive issue with neoliberal capitalism running rampant and we need to remove the profit as incentive. So can we move to a a non-profit-based society to begin with and then look at sort of more rhizomic, concentric modelling around where local is connected into regional uh, through community network and community-centred focus that then through the use of, you know, fabulous, internet and great technology, which is one of the joys of globalization, enables us to communicate and to uh, exchange directly with each other from that basis. Uh, In some respects, I think corporations are kind of like record companies in the era of, of the digital world where everything is collapsed in time and space and flat. They're still trying to operate in these very hierarchical um, Cold War mentality structures of Mm. control of information and finance. And I think that we need to, you know, understand that much like record companies in the era of downloads and, and the internet are losing power because artists can communicate directly with their audience. Well, guess what? We as community can communicate directly with community. Absolutely. And we have all of these technologies at our fingertips that aren't being used because corporations are trying to work out how to dominate them. Um, so I think that, that a lot of the shifting that we have to do is not around the fact that we don't have the technology or we don't have a different system that we could um, experiment with. It's that we don't have the courage and the fortitude and the mental flexibility to understand what we need to survive and thrive as society and as community. Uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of goes back to that kind of Black Panther, Angela Davies kind of thing, like we need a revolution of the mind mm-hmm. and we need to start thinking outside the box about how we get to that uh, because everything is ready to go. It's just that governments and corporations are trying to, you know, strangle us for power and geopolitical manipulation. Well, uh, Sam, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Stick Together. Thank you very much for having me. Solidarity to thank you. you. All the best. That was Samantha Castro from Whistleblowers, Activists and Citizens Alliance discussing the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Now, we'd just like to remind our listeners of some of the upcoming events in Melbourne and around Australia. On Wednesday, September 9th at 6pm, the Victorian Trades Hall will be screening Pride for their Young Unionists movie night. So come down to watch that gorgeous moment and work as history. And on September 11th, also in Trades Hall, there will be a commemoration of the 42nd anniversary since the death of President Salvador Allende and the coup in Chile. Well, that will be all for Stick Together this week. I'm Dennis Rogatyuk. I'd like to once again thank the Community Broadcasting Federation for its financial support of the program. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and we hope you tune in same time next week.